And we are live from the Empire of Lies, a place for free speech, open debate, and diversity of opinion, a community of people fighting the propaganda that surrounds us 24-7. This is The Backstory. Hey there, I'm Lee Stranahan. How you doing, Rod? Let's say hi to Rod, our producer, Rod from Philly. Hey, Rod, how you doing? Do- I'm doing good, Lee. How about yourself? Good. I'm I'm slightly confused about today's show, though, because let me explain. And we we'll welcome Jason Goodman, who's our guest host today on Truth Tuesday. Jason, how you doing? I'm great, Lee. Off the road, no background noise, and I was just visiting the New York headquarters of Twitter. How did that go? Uh, it's very interesting. I'd love to tell you about it in detail when we're ready. Well, yeah, let's do the boom. But let's talk about the show. First off, sure. I guess I want to have on a show with you for a while, but it's under slightly weird circumstances. Let me explain. The guest is Rabbi Yaakov Shapiro, the anti-Zionist rabbi and a friend of mine and a good good guy, good, good man. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be interested in, right? You want to talk to Yaakov for a while, Yes. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Because we've talked before about some of the issues, but here's the word circumstances. One word, Kanye. Yeah. Now, here's why it's weird. I did not know. Do you know much about the movie Hebrews to Negroes? Never even heard of that. Okay. It's a big thing in certain sectors of the black community. You know Kyrie oh. Irving? Well, is that this, these guys who are hanging out in Times Square with the Star of David, and they are the true it Israelites, to according that. to them? But you know, you know Kyrie Irving, basketball right? player He's or about something. Basketball. Right. Yeah. He plays for the Nets, the New Jersey Nets. So yeah. what? What? What they changed? They're not New Jersey anymore. I don't know. Okay, the Brooklyn Nets. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, that's right. So I, I'm old school, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't really follow basketball. Yeah. But Steve Nash was fired today. He was the coach of the Nets. And the Nets aren't doing great. But that's not why they fired him. In the news reports, they said Kyrie Irving, one of his players, tweeted out an anti-Semitic performance or something like that. And they yeah. the wording they used was weird. So they didn't say he insulted Jews or said, I hate Jews, right? But an anti-Semitic like performance. And I Movie was wondering, I saw, what, yeah. what the hell does that mean? So right. it turns out he, Kyrie Irving tweeted a link yeah. to what you might say, Stormfront, uh, right. you know, Nazi Today, what, yeah. what I don't know. I don't know what Nazis read. Daily Stormer, yeah, 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 that website. But no, it was a link to Amazon. Whoa. And a link to Amazon and a movie called Hebrews to Negroes. Mm-hmm. And then I've looked it up a little bit more. And it's a huge thing. And I'm, you you know video production. Yeah. I'm going to tell you what the movie cost on Amazon. Okay. Yeah. Ready? Yes. 50 bucks. Wow, why so high? Hold on. Hold on to your seat. And to rent it, 
You know what rental movies cost, right? This one's 12 bucks. 12 Why bucks is it so rent. High? Right. And I think it's the price is so high because they're appealing to a market who will pay that price. Does uh-huh. that make sense? Yeah. And this is apparently a huge thing. And this is what Kanye was talking about, sort of. And mm-hmm. I didn't really, I didn't know anything about this, right? Okay. Yeah, and so we're going to talk to Rabbi Yaakov Shapiro about it. And uh, about, it seems to me, it's based on the same Judaism is a race and not a religion nonsense. Yeah. You know, I See, was because told that as a young kid in Hebrew school. You're told what? Judaism's a race? Yeah. Well, we'll talk about it with Yaakov. So we'll spend the first part of the interview talking about Zionism and the definition of Judaism and so on, and let you ask Yaakov questions because Yaakov's a great guy. You'll, yeah. you'll, you'll, you'll like Yaakov right away because he's a real. Uh, he'll remind you. I, I'll bet you've got relatives who are like that. Well, he's, he's a funny. Uh, he's he's yeah. a funny, smart New Yorker. That's right. one way to put that, it. Who is that? Definitely. Yeah, yeah. Most of my family is pretty secular, but uh, I definitely no, know. No. I mean, you about? You know, right? Yeah. And Lee, my childhood rabbi died just about three or four years ago, so I'm in need of a new one. Perhaps Yaakov can fill that void. He want to want to bring you back into the fold, though. You can't yeah, be I secular, know. but but okay. I, I, Talk know, to I know. We gotta go easy. You'll see. Go easy. <laughs> He's got a certain Jackie Mason delivery. On some jokes, does that make sense? That will remind me of my grandfather for sure. Yes, but he's a great guy and very smart, and makes a strong case for his position. Then in the second hour, talking mostly about Paul Pelosi, I assume, and the yeah. upcoming. We're a week away from the elections. We have the great Tyler Nixon with us, okay. so it's a great show. And of course, we're taking calls, and we've already got Owl Killer to fill us in on the hippity hop down low, I'm sure. <laughs> no, because Al Kill knows a lot of this stuff. But Jason, take us to the boom, won't you? Yes, leave. This is the backstory. Okay, so it's gonna be an action packed show. 202-521-1320. It's the number to call. And call Owl Killer did. The great Owl Killer, part of our community of listeners here on the backstory. Owl Killer what say you? Whoa. So I am mostly calling in about that bombshell um, information that came out about the the Homeland Security and FBI, the CIA. Actually yeah, the intercept. He, That's a big story. The, the thing that Lee Fang and uh, another writer at the intercept broke yesterday that Tucker yeah. was talking about. This is a huge story. And I want to talk about it. But first, Al Killer, allow me to interrupt, uh, interrupt you as I'm prone to do. Do you know anything about Hebrews to Negroes? It's with a two, by the way. Do you know anything about that? No, not at all. Okay. Because if anyone really- would, if any white man from New Jersey would know that, it would be you, Al Killer. <laughs> Name sounds familiar, though. Is it a book? It's a movie. It's three books. It's a trilogy. Three books that have been made into a movie. And I saw it listed in one news story as a, quote, 
documentary, end quote. See, like that, the scare quotes, see, it's not actually a documentary. That's what they're implying. So anyway, the thing that Intercept wrote yesterday is background on what the Department of Homeland Security's been doing. And the scariest thing is the Department of Homeland Security had a mission shift. And libertarians were right about this. When the Patriot Act was passed and they created the Department of Homeland Security, a lot of libertarians and admittedly other civil liberties advocates warned against the Department of Homeland Security. And they said, it's about terrorism now, but you watch, there's going to be mission creep. And this is what shows the Department the the Department of Homeland Security, whose job is in theory fighting terrorism, now is fighting dangerous speech and ignoring the First Amendment. But Al Killer, what say you about it? I think it's bigger than Snowden. I don't think Snowden had Snowden just said what we knew what was going on, and he expo- he he exposed uh, them spying on you with you know without warrant. This is the the federal basically this is the deep state working in collusion with private entities that's illegal it's completely directly illegal. against us yes it's it's worse than illegal it's unconstitutional yes do you agree yes absolutely it's reprehensible and not not only that i think they threw that election down in brazil with it because the cia was all over it and Bolsonaro was threatened that if he contested the election, he would lose diplomatic status. I think that's what they did to Trump. Obviously, that's what they did to Trump. They, they're not, they are actually, I mean, you can hold them. I, I think they could be held liable for anybody that got any type of vaccine side effect or was not able to get access to information or medication that could have. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I think you're wrong about that. They could be morally held liable, but legally they cannot. They made sure of that. I, I, I don't, I don't, this magic wand that you can't sue uh, Pfizer or any of these people or, or uh, a, a, any of, uh, any of these uh, vaccine um, producers, that's nonsense. You know, the, the law. Well, I, I found some of these original documents that the Intercept article referenced, and one of them was a memo with meetings, meeting notes. And there's this group, C-I-S-A. So it's a CIA yeah. with an S in the middle. You know who's part of and that, Lee? George's Jankovich? Well, Oh, probably. really? Yes, this has all been happening since I arrived on YouTube. And when I saw that article yesterday, see, I appreciate what Owl Killer is saying. That, you know, Snowden told us stuff we already knew. People who've been watching Crowdsource the Truth also already knew this. And, you know, when I exposed Nina Jankowitz as receiving, I think it was 60000 bucks a year from three different foreign NGOs to an LLC, a personal LLC that used her social security number instead of an EIN that was also receiving money, you know, it had a GSA number so she could receive payments from the DHS, when I exposed that, she left the next day, 
My YouTube channels were all shut down immediately. Some had no strikes at all. My Twitter accounts were canceled. And of course, David Swigert has been the most aggressive antagonist I've ever had in my life. I've never met the guy. And for the past five and a half years, he's been involved in seven different lawsuits against me. Why? It's because well, I, I allege I'd like he's to part give of it this. to the I'd like to give you the, the answers, answers of article because there's enough stuff there. A lot of material from the censorship article came from a lawsuit filed by state of Missouri against yeah. DHS. Yes. And I have not read that lawsuit yet. But the next work that I need to do is read it. I found yeah. some of the memos. And what I noticed at this meeting, what I noticed at this meeting of the CISA is that JP Morgan Chase was at that meeting. Yep. Exactly. Turned off. Turned off Laura Loomer's account two years ago. Hey, and that's the other thing. Basically, from what I read, when I'm what I'm reading in that Intercept article and the email conversations, the NGOs they were saying that they couldn't directly come out and say, "Oh, we're the government telling you what to do." So the NGOs, like the the ADL and. Uh, Basically, Black Lives Matter, they were telling the platforms, basically, it was like a third party. It was a, it was a way to separate themselves from, from actually the government uh, delivering the information themselves. They were using the NGOs. That, I think, is— and, and that points out something, Al Killer, that I've been talking about for years. In 2012, Hillary Clinton set up this thing called— Civil Society 2.0. And it was a way, among other things, I talk about in the Oliver Stone produced film, Revealing Ukraine. And I talk about it. Civil Society 2.0. You've heard me talk about that, right, Jason? Yes, definitely. Yeah. So uh, yeah. Civil Society 2.0 was in some senses a way of integrating NGOs with the government. Does that make sense? Yeah, they're cutouts a, is what they are. Yes. Right. It's, now, now it, it was a way of formalizing them as cutouts. Right. But but now it's documented. And I was always like Soros always kept himself. Uh, basically, he, he used the, the NGOs to, to run his uh, color revolution. Yes. I, if, if Well, and, and I pointed out and I got to read this sometime. Uh, there's a book uh, by a guy who's Ukrainian, you know, he worked for Prologue Corporation, and mm -hmm. uh, he wrote a book years later. And he talks in that book about Prologue Corporation was a CIA-funded and sponsored Ukrainian propaganda outlet. That's who Prologue was. So while he was working for the CIA, he was asked to recruit George Soros. So George <laughs> Soros, and he admits this in the book, he just states it. He doesn't admit it. No one's torturing him. But he just says, right. I recruited George Soros. So Soros is a CIA cutout. We know that because yeah. we recruited and he admits to it. So it's also so, no surprise. So, just look at what he does. Right. But yes. this is the this this if if it gets the if it gets the momentum behind it, this will bring it all, it all down. And I mean, the, I hope that's right. 
every, all you could probably confiscate ill-gotten gains from these people. I, it could. I mean, it's cri- it's criminal. It's unconstitutional. Of course. And it doesn't. Of course. It's, it, it's had. Yeah, I hope Judicial Watch and Harmie Dillon and some other attorneys who are active in this stuff take this seriously. My fear is none of that will happen. Yeah, it's my fear. But meanwhile, that's why you push on things. Yes. You don't stop talking about things. I've been pushing it five years. And I've seen some of this stuff in federal court. The reason I'm being as skeptical as I am, because I see the way federal judges respond when you make some of these arguments. And they are not favorable to the truth. They seem more favorable to the narrative. You're saying the problem. But then what do you do? The the answer is this is not easy. It's not going to be pushover for any people who bring this up. No one's going to go. The mainstream media won't go, gee, Jason, we're glad you pointed this out. We'll get this to the front page of the New York Times. Quick, stop Uh, the presses. Jason Goodman told us something. We need (laughs) to stop the presses. That's not going to happen. I hear you. I hear you. And we're going to keep talking about it. I'm talking about this aspect of it so that people can appreciate that. Yes, this Intercept article is huge for putting attention on this. But this is a topic that I have been discussing, certainly with you, Lee, and other people for five years. So I'm very pleased that it's getting broader uh, awareness. But I am concerned because, I mean, you look at what's happening with Elon Musk trying to remove this problem from Twitter, and you see how the machine turns against him just the same way it did against Trump. So even if you're the richest guy in the world or the president of the United States, this is a formidable enemy. And and part of the problem here is also that the uh, explain this to people. But the scary thing to me is that DHS changed its mission. DHS, which was supposed to be against terrorism, has now become the number one censorship board. And I've talked before about how Alexandra Chalupa, the Ukrainian operative, Democratic operative, was working with DHS and Sir Bomber Brett Kimmelin to scan states' voting machines in 2016. And she's mm. admitted that. So DHS is very central to a lot of this. Does it make sense, yep. Jason? It does. It's a, it should be dismantled. Oh. They even talk about 2016 being the reason for why they're doing this. That right. 2016 election was why they were in communication, and it was to protect from di- disinformation. That's why that that's the exact wording is that it was to protect another 2016 from happening. And do you remember when Google said that? Do you, do you remember when Google came out and said that they would never let another 2016 happen again? I do vaguely remember that. It was a woman. And, I mean, but they were well, implying like, like, that they would like never let out. Russian interference happen again. What they really meant was they're never going to let someone who's not part of the establishment run for president and win again. Yeah, but no. Well, what they said was they would not. The reason that they were they that they were going to be uh, it was with the algorithm issue. Where when that's when they really started going hard with the algorithms and basically redirecting you to a whole bunch of stuff you wanted nothing to do with and basically shadow banning people in, in a Google search engine. That was their, their, that's what they said that because they allowed these terms like, um, 
the Hillary, one of the terms I think was um, Hillary's email, 33,000 emails. And it, it you would get the, you would get the people that were actually covering it. And now what basically, if you type in Hillary Clinton's 33,000 emails, you're going to have to know, really know how to use a search engine to get any real information on it. That's not government spin. That doesn't say, oh, let me, let me, let me blow your mind for a minute. That 33,000 emails, that's made up. There's no way it was 33,000 emails. It's far more than that. The fact that they always refer to 33,000 emails, I allege, is a steganographic message to let the people who need to know that this is under control know that it's under control. And the first reference to 33,000 emails that I can ever find anywhere has to do with this guy, Peter Smith who, remember, was reported to have committed suicide on the very first day that I met Charles Ortel. I was about to interview him, and he received a phone call from Shane Harris, then of the Wall Street Journal, now with the Washington Post, making all kinds of false claims to Charles that are completely debunked by emails that Charles has from the dead guy that Shane Harris never saw. And in my pursuit of trying to ask them, why are you guys not covering these facts, they have participated in this effort to destroy, crowdsource the truth. So I'm saying this is all connected, and it's the Department of Homeland Security, I allege. Well, some, well, the part we're talking about, about the intercept story, that's not alleged. That's 100% true and right. proven. Right, Jason? I believe it is. Uh, so that's why I, I actually want to restrict, because the stuff you're talking about you're mentioning names that a lot of people don't know, and they don't mm. know how it fits into the story. So for for our purposes now, please try to avoid making an already Sorry. complex story more Sorry. complex. It, does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, so to s distill it down, 33,000 emails in itself is a misdirection. There are far more than that. And this also goes to Seth Rich, remember. He's alleged to have given the DNC information to WikiLeaks, something that Julian Assange has never actually confirmed. He said things on that Dutch television interview right. that people presume to be his confirmation of that. But Assange speaks very carefully, and he did not say he that that was the case. And also one of the big confusions here is there were multiple tranches of information. There was yes. not one leak. Does that make sense? There was yes. not and only one bit of information. There let me were ask you this, Lee. If you knew someone stole important sensitive information from you, wouldn't it be possible that one defense mechanism would be to flood the zone with false information about you and then say, oh, look at all these hacks. They're all fake. It's Russian I can't propaganda. deal with the hypothetical because it's already a confusing story. What all I'm right. saying is there were multiple pieces of information. There was one the, there was an initial thing that the Bernie Sanders campaign was kicked out of the DNC fundraising emails. That's it was right. Sanders was not allowed. That was one thing. Then there was the Podesta emails. I think that was third, actually. But then there was stuff that was leaked from the DNC. Does that make sense? That's different yeah. than the Podesta stuff. Yes. And you know, they people don't people don't realize that they all. I mean, you know what else is lost? Proud Strike never gave the computers 
The FBI never examined the computers. Comey said that. 100%. That, that was admitted multiple times. Al Killer, as usual, great phone call. And we got to take a short break because Yakov Shapiro will be with us. And Jason, I'm really looking forward to this. You meeting yeah. Yakov Shapiro has been a long time coming. So, Jason, take us to the break, won't you? This is the backstory. back on the backstory and on the radio on 105.5 FM AM 1390 joining us now a good friend a man I respect and admire greatly Rabbi Yaakov Shapiro he's the author of The Empty Wagon and also the host of Committing High Reason welcome Yaakov Shapiro hello Rabbi how are you oh hi Jason that's you yes Yes, it's me. Nice yes. to meet you, Rabbi Shapiro. Yeah, nice to meet you. Good to good to be with you guys. Thanks for having me. So, so that's my guest host today, co-host Jason Goodman, and I. Jason, I've known Jason, Rabbi, thirty years, so I've known him a long time, and he and I do a show every week, and I've been talking about you for a couple of years now because you know I'm a fan, and yeah, every time. Awesome. The Zionism thing comes up. I want. I wish you were there because Jason has some questions that I don't know the answer to. So let me start. Jason, do you have any questions off the bat for Rabbi Shapiro? Well, I, I would say not so much questions, but to sort of lay out the background of how you first told me about Rabbi Shapiro and my thinking. So Rabbi Shapiro, I grew up in New York. And uh, my family are Reform Jews. I'm very secular. Many Hasidic Jews would consider me to be not Jewish at all. I don't keep kosher at home. I don't keep kosher outside of my home. And I generally um, think more about science and things that I can obtain empirical evidence about and less about faith. I do appreciate my Jewish heritage. But I am what most people would consider a secular Jew. And the thing that I found so interesting about Lee telling me about your position on this topic was that, you know, I went to Hebrew school on uh, Sundays when I was growing up and until my bar mitzvah. I did have a bar mitzvah. And, um, you know, we were basically hammered with what I now understand to be mainstream propaganda in terms of, you know, you have to. Uh, love Israel and go visit Israel and Israel is great and nothing bad at all can be said about or done by Israel, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And as I started to learn more about history and the world and sort of hidden power that controls things, and Lee has told me about some of your views and insights about Zionism versus Judaism and the formation of modern Israel in 1947, I believe I've come around to uh, opening my mind to that way of thinking and I want to know more about it. Well, I'll gladly help you out. Uh, first, I, if I can just comment on the uh, comment that you made about faith versus empirical evidence. I, I, with you, I only stick with things that make sense. I don't look at uh, my religion as uh, faith in the sense that uh, it's blind. I, mm-hmm. it's, 
say it makes sense. Not only it makes sense, it really has to make sense philosophically. Uh, there needs to be a creator of the world. This is old, all the way our Aristotelian. I don't think the first cause argument ever had an answer. And I actually had a podcast answering David Hume's uh, complaints against it. I think he was absolutely wrong. And I think that uh, open-mindedly, objectively, uh, it will be much more fun, uh, not necessarily a happier world, but a more fun world, if uh, I wouldn't believe this. But uh, what could I do, you know? Uh, I think it's the truth. As far as Zionism is concerned, uh, well, let's start, it's very simple, let's see where the burden of proof lies. Let's just start with the default. I'm an American. My family's from Poland. Um, mm -hmm. What do I have to do with Israel? Israel claims they're the state of the Jewish people, not a state where Jews live. Israel, by law, claims that it is the state of the Jewish people, the nation state of all Jews, meaning, and this is in their own words, Netanyahu was probably now the prime minister not 100% sure, you know, elections today. But probably it looks like he's the prime minister again. Japan is to the Japanese what France is to the French and Israel is to the Jews. Now, if Israel would be a normal country, Japan is to the Japanese what France is to the French, what Israel is to the Israelis. Israel doesn't agree with that. Israel claims a certain type of nationalism that doesn't exist anywhere else in the world and never existed from the time the world was created. See what I just did there? Anyway, yeah. um, they claim to be my state because I'm Jewish. Can you explain to me how that works? What connection does Israel have with the Jews? That's the first question. And there is no answer really to that. They, the whole idea of Zionism, which is ideology that the state of Israel is based on, in the same sense that what the Soviet Union was based on communism, is that the Jews are not a... Religion. The Jews are not a, a people that are obligated to fulfill the commandments or whatever. Jews are a nation, a nationality, and Israel is their state. That is the unilateral uh, view uh, and claim of Zionism. And uh, there's no talk about empirical evidence. What's the empirical evidence or logic or philosophical uh, rationale for saying such a thing? In other words, what is my, as a Jew, your you as a Jew, what is your connection to some country in the Middle East that was made in 1948? Yeah. I bro. That's first. Second, because they claim that the state of the Jew and not the Israelis, that means two things. Thing number one, that uh, Israel is my country and not the United States of America, right? Uh, when right. They, uh, right. And two, Israel is the country not of all of its citizens. Netanyahu said that clearly. Israel right. She would citizen, right. So, so that makes it problematic, even from a humanistic perspective, right? Mm -hmm. All based on that myth, that myth that they invented, that they claim to be my state and your state. How crazy yeah. is that? Now, all the yeah. from that, how you reconcile that, then they have this thing that, you know, uh, well, okay, so what do you mean the Jews are a nation? They never had a flag, they never had a country, they never had a common language, they never had a common culture, they still don't. Um, what in the world, how in the world, what characteristics do Jews have that, that you would say there's some kind of nationality? Well, so Israel has to invent a whole new history, that the Jews forever were trying to get a state, and they always looked at themselves as a nation. It's not true. It was invented by Gretz. He was the first person to have it. The Israeli scholars know this. 
So, so Israel invented a history. They invented a nationality. They invented a people that doesn't exist. And their motive was, and they said this clearly about 100 years ago, 150 years ago, that um, they don't like the Jews. And they were Jews. They first tried not to be Jews, but the anti-Semites wouldn't let them not be Jews. They were persecuted, even though they were secular Jews. Uh, so they decided that, you know what, they told the Gentiles, you don't like us, you, you don't let us, you don't let us, whoa, what's that? What? Oh, those, I heard two two bells. And they told the oh. Gentiles, if you don't let us play in your uh, playground, we're going to make our own playground. We're going to become our own people. Uh, we're going to have our own country, and therefore, and then you will like us because we'll, we'll, we will be just like you. The problem hmm. Because in order to create that fantasy, they had to restructure and revise history, politics, Jewish identity, and all of that. It never really worked. Uh, Zionism was an adventure in, it was a circle squaring adventure, and it never worked. And all the problems they have today with the Palestinians, with the Jews themselves, all stem from the a uh, basic core principle that Zionism and uh, doesn't make any sense. Jewish identity isn't, doesn't make any sense, according to them. Their history doesn't make any sense. Their politics don't make any sense. Their nationalism doesn't make sense. What they want to be, compared to what they are, doesn't make sense. Not just a question of wrong or right. It's inconsistent, illogical. And when you're not, and when you have an idea that's not bound to the rules of uh, rational thinking, hey, anything goes. And that's the problem. How's that in a nutshell? That's good. That's good. Uh, so with that in mind, you know, we've seen people who are Jewish, perhaps in heritage, like George Soros, who has said on 60 Minutes that he was hidden from Nazis by living with a Christian adoptive family and in his teenage years would go around with them during World War II, you know, sort of confiscating property, as he says, from Jewish families. And so, I mean, you know, yeah, maybe he's Jewish technically, but he's also sort of a Nazi. And now flash forward today to Ukraine, we've heard many, many times that Putin's claim that the special military operation is intended to denazify the military of Ukraine the only argument we've heard from the counterpoint is how could that be true if Zelensky is Jewish? And it seems similar to the situation with Soros. How do you feel about that, Rabbi? Well, what exactly does it mean that Zelensky is Jewish? Tell me the definition of that adjective Jewish. There's what I, don't, I don't know. I guess born to a Jewish mother and father. Well, what makes the mother and father Jewish? That's just kicking the can down the road. That's not really good, right? right? So, so what exactly does it mean? That's the problem over here. That's where all of this starts. Hey, let me ask you. Well, let me ask you something. If being Jewish is anything other than a religion, can a Jew be a Christian? Uh, well, Messianic Jews say yes. Well, no, they okay. Uh, why would anybody say no? You know, if a Jew is anything other than a religion, if it's a race, a heritage, a culture, a ethnicity, why can't they be Christian or Muslim by religion? Uh -huh. uh, it's a very valid question, it, it, there, there is, and there is no answer to that. The early Zionists who wanted to change the definition of a Jew from religion to uh, something else uh, believed, many of them believed, not all, that a Jew can be a Christian. They said that the, when they 
Jews get a state. This was Israel's angle. He said the Omar Mosque will be guarded by Jews who are Muslims and the Holy Sepulchre by Jews who are Christians. Uh, the Israeli Supreme Court, however, ruled that about another Jew, his name was Brother Daniel Refusion. I think that's his last name. It's hard to pronounce. It's one of these uh, Polish words without any uh, vowels in it. Uh, he was a Carmelite monk. He was born Jewish, a religious Zionist family. He, uh, his family hid him in a monastery when he was young from the Nazis. He decided, and he saved, he saved a lot of Jews. He uh, led them into the forest and saved them from the Nazis. Um, he converted to Christianity and then came to Israel after Israel was created and said he wants to become a citizen under the law of return because he was born Jewish. Israel said, no, he's not Jewish because he practices Christianity. Now, according to Israeli law, you can be an atheist and be a Jew, but you can't be a Christian and be a Jew. That doesn't make any sense. And that's the point. The, the idea that being a Jew is a contradiction to being a Nazi, it uh, all, all depends upon how you define being a Jew and being a Nazi. Um, a person can be born anything and, and uh, accept any ideology that he wants. So being Jewish is something that you're born with, and a Nazi is an ideology, then yes, it's not a contradiction. If being a Jew is an ideology and being a Nazi is an ideology, and they're contradictory ideologies, well then... You know, it's like being a, uh, having two contradictory ideologies. But uh, the idea is Zelensky clearly believes that he's being a Jew is something he's born with. So, yeah, he can be a Nazi. He can be a Nazi, a communist, a fascist. Uh, there's no reason he shouldn't be able to be a Christian if he can be an atheist, right? So that's yeah. the, problem. the problem is that the, uh, if you want to know if two things could exist together, being a Jew and being a Nazi, it obviously depends on the definition of those terms. And since well, and I think, sorry to interrupt, Rabbi, but there's one other aspect as well that I have identified prior to this conversation, which is that someone could be any religion, ethnicity, race, whatever, and a psychopath. And therefore, their actions may not reflect what normal or so-called normal people might consider normal behavior. Well, that's definitely true. You know, um, if a guy's, uh, anybody could be a psychopath, anybody could be a lunatic, and anybody could right. be uh, you know, a murderer, that's something you Yes. Um, so, but the problem is that nobody, people don't want to talk about, okay, what's the definition of a Jew? <laughs> nobody knows. Well, if nobody knows, then it, you, it's impossible to say. You can't have it both ways. You can't say, well, nobody knows what being a Jew is. And at the same time say, well, if you are a Jew, then you can't be a Nazi. Those two statements are, are contradictory. You can't, you can't hold both of them. In order to say that being a Nazi is a contradiction to be a Jew. That means you have to have a clear definition of a Jew and a clear definition of a Nazi. And that's the starting point. Then they have to be contradictory. And that right. that's why Zionism is problematic, because Zionism is, more than anything else, it's a redefining of what a Jew is. Um, one, then, when they say it's a Jewish state, in order to have a Jewish state, you've got to understand what the word Jewish means. You know, every time you tell a Zionist, uh, well, what's a Jew? He says, oh, that's an internal discussion amongst Jews. Uh, what's the difference does it make? No, it makes a big difference, because if Israel's telling the world that they're a Jewish state, and that's their justification for their politics, and then somebody says, okay, well, what do you mean by Jewish? What do you mean by that word that you use as a justification for your politics? They can't come back and say, ha-ha, it really doesn't matter. I mean, they're using some term that they don't want to reveal what it means as a get-out-of-jail-free card to do whatever they want, and that's crazy. Right. right. 
Well, I think that's now, the point, is that that's what they do want to do, be able to take it any way at any time that they choose. That's right. They want so, a Jew to the evangelical definition of Jew. They want to be a Jew for the Jewish definition of Jew. They want to be a Jew for the secular definition of Jew. And uh, yeah. they want to say, well, you know, it doesn't really matter. So, Rabbi, now, now let's make it, if possible, even more confusing. Because first off, Rabbi, from what I know about you, I'm going to go on a limb and guess you, you're not a big hip-hop fan. You don't know much <laughs> about the world of rap and hip-hop. Am I correct? What do you mean? Me and Snoop Dogg, we're... we're, we're, we're... <laughs> no, I, I See, care much for hip-hop. No, no. Word up, Rabbi. But very hip reference. You know, I, I, always, I always mention this. You know that. You know the last film Rabbi Shapiro saw? Jason you told me, but I, I I forget what it was. Mary, Mary Poppins at Radio City <laughs> Musical, right, Rabbi? Wow. Yes, uh, maybe it was. Uh, you know, maybe I'm thinking maybe it was Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. So both those two. Wow, that would have been Either a great way. presentation. Probably Technicolor, maybe even VistaVision or something like that in a theater like that. Um, they were both in Technicolor. Yeah, they're both. Oh, nice. Mm-hmm. No, I it must have been. Uh, I'm not into hip hop, and uh, okay. So do you, do you even know who Kanye West is? Do you really uh, get how much you heard his name, of course? But do you know who Kanye West is pretty clearly? Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so the newest controversy apparently is about Kyrie Irving. He's a basketball player for the Brooklyn Nets. And Steve Nash, the coach, was fired today because this guy, uh, Kyrie Irving, he tweeted a link to a book, and it's called Hebrews to Negroes. And I'm going to play a clip I found about uh, with someone who was on a sports network talking about this general topic. And I had the feeling this is gobbledygook. So I'm going to play a clip for you, Rabbi, and tell me if it makes any sense to you whatsoever. Let's play the clip. It's the uh, Rabbi comments on Kyrie, that one. Okay, so this is someone who's supposedly making sense of it all, but I don't think it makes sense. Hit it. wrap our head around just what it might mean for, uh, to be honest we're joined in the studio by rabbi mordechai yosef ben avraham the author of mind of the black jew and thank you for coming in the studio today i mean first of all on Kyrie, well, let's back up a moment on this film in the book that he's promoting how problematic is is this content that that he's now you know promoting and standing behind see the thing is we have to take some us as jews have to take some responsibility because we haven't went out and really educated people on what Judaism is, what it's about, what it's about. In this arena. Not saying, not saying in terms of bringing people in the fold, but just basic information, uh-huh. right? So it's problematic from the standpoint that, so for example, in 2014, Rabbi Chaim Konetsky, 
who was the head of the Haredi movement, uh, sent rabbis to Africa, and they went to Nigeria, and they spent time there for months at a time, back and forth, in different places in the west of Africa, and there were certain tribes there that they said, hey, these people have Jewish lineages, but they have to go through a process of reacclimation. We call it Gersa Humra, right? So they had to go through that process. Now, some of those people, the tradition is amongst the, the, the teachers or rabbis, however way you want to describe them in Nigeria, that when the transatlantic slave trade happened, there was the main focus was people from their communities. And they were the ones sold into slavery. Now, how many of those people were exactly? We don't have numbers. Right. Records are... Now, where this message becomes problematic, see, this is the rabbinical understanding. What becomes problematic is that people want to take that small aspect of the narrative and make it into the whole story, and now you have this whole replacement theory coming in. Right. And now you have people who are anti-Semitic, even though, say, a lot of the African Americans, they're just searching for truth. But there's people around that are using that information and weaponizing it to discount all the Jewish community and justifying violence. Where and does Kyrie come in? I mean, on Kyrie, I mean, he's, I'll put it this way, known, radical, uh, you know, he sat out most of the NBA season last year because he was against the, the COVID vaccine, staunchly opposed. I, I know he stood behind the flat earth, you know, theories in the past. So, I mean, where does, you know, how do we, how do we take this from him? I think you have to put it in line with a lot of the other uh, ideas that uh, he's uh, promoted. And again, guys like these are young guys, you know, and they, they, they need education. If they want to learn more, they want to know more. You know, we, we have to be more proactive. If not, you're going to have these things. And you have people with huge platforms that could just create so much damage in the world. Like you see with Kanye, you have people having white supremacists are putting up, you know, uh, uh, yeah. We say we agree with Kanye. Yeah, yeah all over the place. Shocking. Yeah. yeah, so it's a very scary thing that's happening. Rabbi, thanks for joining us. Uh, so, Rabbi, did you make, did that make any sense to you? No, I, I didn't get the connection between his story about Nigerian people with some kind of possible Jewish lineage uh, and the anti-Semites here in the United States. I don't understand where, he, where this cause and effect I don't say one thing had to do with the other. I, from what I gathered, there were some people in Nigeria who there are those that claimed they were Jewish, um, and a Rabbi Kanievsky, who by the way was not the head of the Haredi movement. There is no Haredi movement, and there is no head. He was just a very authoritative and uh, massively. Um, a knowledgeable rabbi, apparently they came to him and asked what to do, and he told some people to go and investigate and see what's going on over there, which is uh, quite a sensible reaction. They went there, and somehow then he got to some idea that these people were targeted as uh, slaves, and therefore this basketball player somehow becomes an anti-Semite. I'm not sure. I understand the, the thought chain over there. So, Jason, you're no rabbi, but did you understand? Because the guy said at one point, this is a rabbinical understanding. You heard him say that. And as that's when my alarm bells went off. Because I said, if that's a rabbinical understanding, I think you're just saying that to so people nod their head solemnly right. and go, yes, I guess that's smart. But it makes <laughs> no sense. Jason, what yeah. do you think? 
Well, I mean, again, I did not even know. I was aware of the Kanye West and the basketball guy dust up over a movie, but I wasn't even aware of the movie. I'm glad we're having this conversation because I'm just coming to it right now. And while we were listening to that, I was Googling certain things they were saying. There is a black rabbi here with his and there's a picture from Jewish Boston, which is him and their three kids and the wife. And she's they're doing Shabbos and she's like lighting the candles and everything. So I don't know. I mean, all the stuff in Egypt back in the day, doesn't it make sense that there would be black Jews? Oh, there are black Jews. There's no question about it. Um, uh, the ones I know of are, uh, are converts or children of converts. Uh-huh. In order to, uh, let's say, a black Jew from ancient Egypt, what that would mean is that not only there would need to be a black Jew, but in order to remain black now, a few thousand years later, they would have had right. a whole black community and intermet right. Show that I don't know that that's I don't know that historically that would make sense. I do know that there are uh, Jews were in Ethiopia, you know, because of the intermarriage. You know, the lineage is questionable, and you have to take an individual and see his uh, lineage, but. Uh, if you have Jews in a community of non-Jews and they intermarry, before you know it, you're not going to have any Jews left, right? Well, Rabbi, let me just read to you the excerpt, because, Lee, I'm looking at this on Amazon right now, Hebrews to Negroes, Hebrews to Negroes, Wake Up Black America. So this is the first time I've seen it, and they're selling it on Amazon on Blu-ray disc or to download it, and uh, it, first of all, on the cover, it does claim to be a documentary. So, you know, for Kanye West or whoever to say that, they're just, this is what it claims. It says the movie Hebrew to Negroes, which it basically has a typo on its own movie box because the title apparently is Hebrews to Negroes. But it says the movie Hebrew to Negroes, Wake Up Black America, produced and directed by Ronald Dalton Jr., uncovers the true identity of the children of Israel by proving the true ethnicity of Abraham, Ishmael, Isaac, Jacob, the sons of Ham. What? The sons of Shem and the sons of Japheth. Find out. Shem, Shem, Ham, or Ham in English, and Yopheth. I don't know how, however they transliterate it. J-A-P-H-E-T-H. Find out what Islam, Judaism, and Christianity have covered up for centuries in regards to the true biblical identity of the so-called Negro. So he sounds like these guys in Times Square. This is what they are saying. The so-called right. Negro. I've heard them say that. In this movie, now, packed Jason, tons of endless Jason, research. We're, we're almost at the end of our time. And yeah. we have a caller who had a question for everybody. So let's go to the call. Hoosier Mark is on the line with a question for Rabbi Yaakov Shapiro. Sorry about that, Rabbi. Rabbi Yaakov Shapiro. Mark, what's on your mind? What's your question? Yes, um, well, it seems to me that all stems to uh, trying to find a safe place for Jews to live in the first place. So, you know, that's essentially the origins of Zionism. So, we can talk about how to define the word Jew. I mean, and if you just look in Merriam-Webster's dictionary, it'll give you, you know, a person belonging to a continuation through descent or conversion of the ancient Jewish people. And then the second sense of the word would be one whose religion is Judaism. Yeah, okay. So first, as far as finding a safe people, they 
as far as hmm? yeah, go, go ahead, Rabbi as, Mark. Let, let the Rabbi answer because we're almost out of time. Right. As far as finding a safe place for the Jewish people, the Zionists themselves said that's not what they're trying to do. Yudo Herzl in his book that that came up later. Yudo Herzl in his book said that if we change what a Jew is, there won't be any reason to find a safe place for a Jew. In fact, they could have had a safer place, Uganda. Um, the Uganda plane, it wasn't really Uganda. The Middle East, they knew, was, was not so safe, and yet they took it anyway. It turns out that it's the least safe place where Jews live anywhere in the world. And as far as the definition of a Jew, that doesn't mean the dictionary, that different dictionaries will give you different definitions. And when it says um, somebody whose heritage was from the ancient Jews, tell me, does that mean fraternally or maternally? There's different, different uh, disagreements about that. It does mean you're, you have to be uh, descended by your fathers or by your mothers or by both. Well, guess what? So there are different people that disagree. And we're all descended from Abraham. Abraham, Isaac, and Abraham, the, the Muslims, are, the Arabs are descended from him. And the Romans are descended from Isaac. So how far back do you have to go? All of these questions don't help. The dictionary doesn't help for. All of these things are a... Um, uh, a matter of opinion. And worse yet, the state of Israel, Zionism, wants to have a completely different definition than both of those that you read in the dictionary. Israel wants the definition to be um, constituents of the state of Israel. They want to be able to decide who's a Jew. How does the, how does the uh, Knesset decide that a Jew that practices Christianity is not a Jew, but an atheist who practices, uh, but an atheist who is born Jewish is a Jew? That doesn't fit with the dictionary definition. So you have the dictionary definition, which is quite ambiguous, and you have the Zionist definition, which is different than the diction, dictionary definition. That's the problem here. So, Mark, does that answer that question? Well, I mean, for me, because I know the, the rabbi, you know, he's a common guest, so I just had some lingering questions from previous times that he's been on. But for me, what I'm really just trying to figure out is uh, maybe we need to get to the bottom of what the definition of it is. I'm, I'm all for that. I have actually a lecture on it online on YouTube. Go to my channel, Rabbi Yaakov Shapin. I gave a lecture in Canada, University of Kelowna, um, British Columbia, British Columbia in Kelowna, um, about what the definition of a Jew is and what logic dictates it, it must be. It has, whatever and definition you're going to give, it has to be consistent. Ra Rabbi, we're almost out of time, so please tell people where they can find your podcast, too. CommittingHighReason.com. That's Committing High Reason. Check out my YouTube channel, Rabbi Yaakov Shapiro, as well. Rabbi Shapiro, thanks very much for being with us. And yeah. a, a little confusing uh, on K Kanye's part. And this whole thing <laughs> adds another confusing what did you think, Jason? No, I'm going to get this movie and try to understand exactly what everybody is upset about, and then we'll have another conversation so, about it. So good luck. So let's take a short break, and we'll come back more with Jason Goodman on The Backstory. back from the empire of lies with a show that brings you the truth behind the headlines. I'm investigative journalist Lee Stranahan and our special guest co-host today is the great Jason Goodman 
from Crowdsource of Truth on the backstory. So, Jason, what did you think of Yakov? Uh, I really enjoyed the conversation, and I think we should continue it in the future. I want to see the movie and understand more about what this whole controversy is about. Well, I'd say, you know, did you see any of the clips that were cut from the Tucker interview with Kanye? Uh, yes, I saw, I think, most of the interview. So my girlfriend, Danny, had a very incisive analysis. She watched some of those clips and she said, I'm quoting, that dude's high. <laughs> Kanye? Yeah, he's out of yes. mind, I think. And I think, I think she could be right. The way yeah. he's talking, he could be really high. So imagine how complex this subject is. Yeah. And I'm just saying, you know, probably on weed or something. Yeah. But it's already a complex topic. Then you throw all this race stuff in. Then you get high. Good luck. <laughs> yeah. Does you know, that, that, that could easily that could easily be correctly. I the only argument I would offer is that without knowing Kanye and having a baseline for how he acts when he's not high, it's tough to say. I mean, he definitely, I mean, look, there was a whole thing where people were like, oh, it's anti-Semitic. I frankly just found it ignorant. And my first impression of this movie, that it has a typo on its own box about the title of the movie, right away sends a signal that whoever put this together is not really on top of details. So there could be other errors in the movie. Now, I also tried to purchase it on Blu-ray because I'd like to physically have it. And when I searched, it brought me to Amazon.ca, which is, I guess, the Canadian one. And I, it said, oh, you have to log in. And it wouldn't let me log in with my regular Amazon thing. And then I'm trying to find that on the Amazon I'm logged into in the U.S. and I can't get it. So it seems like I have to get it from streaming. For, it's very, a lot of weird things going on with this movie. I'm going to watch it and we'll talk about it some more. Okay. I dare you. Because, yeah. you know... One of the things is, if you say to people, here's a big secret the world's been keeping from you, and this is it, and and then they get into the thing where, have you heard black people do the we were kings thing, talking about being kings? I mean, I think that's these guys in Times Square who are screaming about all right. the same kind of it's, idea. It's partially that. Uh, but some of it has to do with they trace their lineage to Egypt. And it was the idea that once black people ran everything, apparently. Right. And then historically, white people, by reading books and writing books, apparently tricked everybody out of knowing the truth about black people ruling the world. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. Now, this is directed by Ronald Dalton Jr., so I don't really know anything about that guy or where this research comes from or what. This is from 2018 as well, and it's got a lot of positive reviews on Amazon. Excellent reasons. So, 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 Rod, get ready because I'm going to bring you into this in one second. But, uh, but coming up this hour is a great Todd Nixon and another confusing story, the Paul Pelosi story. There's a lot of conflicting accounts on that. And it's somewhat confusing, but we'll try to decipher it. Jason, take us to the boom. Lee, this is the backstory. Okay, so Rod, you there? Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. So, okay, hey, Rod. Rod, 
Can you fill in anything? Do you what do you know about this whole mess? The you know, Hebrews and Negroes and so on and so forth. What do you know about it, Rod? No, you you asking the wrong person, Lee. Um, <clears throat> um Yeah, no. I mean I I know his I know some Hebrew Israelites, but you know, <laughs> I haven't sat down with hours and had conversations with them. I mean, we have like little brief conversations, but, but, but is this something people talk about? It seems to me like this is a, a wider conversation in the black community and something, you know, that a fair number of black people know about. I don't know if that's and right. People, I, 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 I would think, say maybe in the, maybe in the major, major cities where you see these, these yeah. Hebrews lights, you but not necessarily more rural places. That's not a conversation. You know what I mean? So it's only something you will see in the more populated areas. That makes sense to me. So let's play the clip. This is the media demand NBA player Kyrie Irving stop tweeting about Alex Jones. So let's play that one next. This is another clip Rod found. Hit it. Kyrie, while we're on the topic of promotion, why did you decide to promote something that Alex Jones said? That was a few weeks ago. I do not stand with Alex Jones' position, narrative, court case that he had with Sandy Hook or any of the kids that felt like they had to relive trauma or parents that had to relive trauma or to be dismissive to all the lives that were lost during that uh, tragic event. My my post was a post from Alex Jones that he did in the early 90s or late 90s about secret societies in America of occults, and it's true. So I wasn't identifying with anything of being a campaigning a campaignist for Alex Jones or anything. I was just there to post, and it's funny, and it's actually hilarious because out of all the things I posted that day, that was the one post that everyone chose to chose to see. It just goes back to the way our world is and works. I'm not here to complain about it. I just exist. And to follow up on the promotion of the movie and the book. Can you please stop calling it a promotion? What am I promoting? Put it out on your platform. But I'm promoting it? Do you see me doing, do you see By me in front of the, the title? putting it out there, people are going to say that you are promoting. Yeah, I put promoting. it out there just like you put things out there, right? Yeah, but I okay. It's not you put stuff. things out there for a living, right? Right, but my great, stuff great. is so not let's move on. filled let's with anti-Semitic. Let's stuff. move on. Don't dehumanize me up here. I, I'm not. I'm not doing I'm that. You're free to post I can what, post whatever I want. So say that what, and shut it down and move on to the next question. But Kyrie, you have to understand that by I don't have post, to understand anything from you. But, but it's nothing. not me. Nothing. By posting no people what that you're you making did, up, bro. Move on. But by posting, move what on. You next did, question. Anybody is you guys have any more questions? And they're gonna say, you guys have any more questions? Because this is gonna be a clip. This is gonna be a clip that he's gonna marvel at. Is this any more questions? But you're not answering the question. This is another answering your question. Oh my God! Let's make another Instagram clip so we could be famous again. Next question. So I'm with Kyrie on what what he was saying, and not because I agree with Alex Jones. Although obviously we talked about secret societies. Alex knows a lot about that. But this is a gotcha. Press interview. Agree, Jason? I, I was having a difficult time following exactly what was going on there. I don't like it when people, you know, what Kyrie was doing to me felt like the kind of obstruction that morons who start arguments with me in the street engage in. I think if he had, even if it is a gotcha interview, there's a better way that he could have handled it. I didn't like that response from him. Well, I didn't mind it because I think he's just sick of it. In other words, the, the guy's telling him, he tweeted something. He tweeted an Alex Jones clip about secret societies. 
So, oh, I thought this was about that other movie. So he's just saying you're agreeing with Alex Jones, so that's bad. I, I think a more intelligent, direct answer would have shut it down more effectively than what he was doing. It just feels like, you know, sort of thug obstruction when you do it that way. Well, I won't money my quarterback his response. I will say yeah. I understand his frustration. And the, it was BS of a reporter to say, you quoted this from Alex Jones and attributed yeah. anything but the thing he qu quoted. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, that is. That is bad. That is bad. I think I was confused at what we were listening to at the outset. So I was a little bit like, what was what going on? And they're also obviously trying to take Kyrie down. Steve Nash yes. is already gone. But, you know, and as someone who's a look, even if I don't agree with Kyrie on a point, the thing to do is not shut him down. It's to discuss right. it. And right. it's not I to switch your point to something he's not discussing. Yes, I agree with that. So let's take a call. 202-521-1320. Our friend Brave from Atlanta. Brave. Hey. Can you bring some clarity? Any, anything about this stuff, Brave? I don't know if I can bring clarity. I can uh, share my opinion. <laughs> um, on, on the... On the Kyrie Irving uh, thing, Jason. Um, I, I get why you why you feel like that. Um, I, I don't know if you how much you follow uh, Kyrie or at least the, the 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 constant the constant barrage of ridiculous attacks they always come at him with, just because he thinks for himself, right? And I, um, yeah. I think if this had been the first, second, third, fourth, maybe incident where someone was challenging him on that, he probably he, he possibly would have sat up and you know uh, went back and forth with the guy, debated, laid facts down on all of these things. But um, kind of, they constantly do this to him, right? Uh, and anyone, obviously, I think everyone on this call understands that. They constantly do this to him um, just to try and get a sound bite, just to try and make him look like he's some weird, weirdo conspiracy theorist or something like that, right? And I think at a certain point, it's like, I, I, I think I, I totally get how he shut the guy down. As a matter of fact, I was a fan of it because no matter how he, uh, no matter how in-depth he goes inside, in fact, given reasoning, like if you got... Right. But he went through with the whole uh, COVID uh, vaccination thing, right? Um, no, you're right. You're right. You're right. Yeah. They would have just come back with some other nonsense. No, you're right. You're right. I, you know what's happening, guys, is that I knew basically nothing about any of this. I didn't even know who Kyrie was until he started coming in the news about, you know, doing whatever they didn't like. And I'm now in a mode where I want to know more about who is doing what, because it does become a giant mess where they try to lump everyone they don't like together with something that's not correct and then make it appear that they're all doing terrible stuff. And I have a feeling that what Lee is honing in on is that there's far more going on here than what the news wants you to believe in some consolidated smear. Isn't it always the case? <laughs> yes. <Sure>. Yes. <laughs> um, on, the, uh, on the Kanye thing, if I could real quick, um, I always say real quick. <laughs> on, on, on real quick, um, a lot of um, I, I'm I'm feeling um, I was feeling pretty good um, that a lot uh, of uh, people within the black community and um, not within the black community, black community and minorities just in general um, were taking a second thought on the narrative that's being spun versus what some of the things are that Kanye says. I I know. Personally, um, having having uh, sought after a, hip, a career in hip hop earlier in my life and being signed to a label and things of that nature, right? 
those conversations, some of those conversations that he's having are, are some of the points that he was making are very true, or at minimum, at minimum, they are conversations that are had within um, the the artist the artist community, especially when it comes to like hip hop, rap, and and uh, just. Um, just pursuing a career in entertainment um, coming from, let's say, an urban environment. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, that's nothing new, man. That's nothing new. And it's, it's really funny and it's really telling. No matter how you feel about it, no matter which side you want to lean on, there are, there are conversations that are had, right, about being shut out of ownership and things of that nature, about, um, pre, uh, about record, industry, record, record labels uh, pushing uh, certain images, but then not wanting to mess with other images as far as hip hop artists, rap artists, and then versus like drill and gangster music. And back in the day, was what you call gangster music and, and just dumb, dumb music that wasn't that wouldn't qualify as hip hop. Um, I, I could tell you countless stories of of, of dealing with A and R's who weren't pushing or, or weren't interested in what was called conscious rap at that time, right? Um, especially, I mean, you had a certain group that, 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 that were, that were making it with conscious rap. Right. And then all of a sudden it went to the sideline and, um, becoming more, more, uh, current to down, um, this, this ignorance just, just overtook everything. Like drill music was getting pushed really hard. Right. And these decisions aren't just from what, while there are individual artists who, um, do this on an independent, especially now who do this independently, but they're all following in the footsteps of artists prior to them who were propped up by labels who specifically wanted to push ignorance, right? And so when he's and and the deal, the deal with Kanye is you got to get past, you do have to get past his uh, obvious is, uh, mental health issues. One and then two, his ego because he relates everything to him and what he's dealing with, which is understandable because he's dealing with it. But I don't think it's um, unfair at all to uh, say that that's not a conversation that's had among many people, many uh, young artists. And just going back to just going back in the day and checking out hip hop artists like in the nineties who were really trying to push it and, and work with labels and get with labels and were getting shut down because they weren't willing and let's, to do it. Let me say this, because I was in Hollywood and I was working with a lot of people who were in the hip-hop game at the time. And when Gangster Rap broke, when NWA broke, Andre, uh, you know, uh, and the people from NWA, before that, that was the era of Public Enemy. And so you had a political consciousness in hip hop, and that that was basically wiped out by gangster rap. When gangster rap came, all anybody wanted to hear was gangster rap. Does it make sense, Brave? Yeah, it definitely makes sense. I'm telling the story now. Like, but it wasn't so much that that's all anybody wanted. Well, from the exact point of view, from a label point of view, that's all they wanted to hear. The people want to hear whatever you keep feeding them. That's exactly right. No, that's what I'm saying. All anybody wanted to hear on labels. They didn't want to sign you unless you were doing gangster rap. So naturally, a lot of people who they want to get signed became gangster rappers. And if if the labels had been promoting bands with a political consciousness like PE or like, you know, some of the other bands who were on at the time, groups, that's what people would have done. But that's how gangster rap basically wiped bands like PE off the map. Does that make sense? 
No, that, that is the truth. But wasn't there a transition, though, through NWA with F the Police? I mean, that seems like gangster rap, but it actually was a pretty important political statement from the standpoint of a teenage black man in South Central L.A. in the late 80s. Well, it's it's but it's not the, the you know, F the Police is not the same intellectual content as P.E. There's what no, I'm just saying. It's still political. Well, and it's appearing to an audience. Well, I don't know. I think it's an evolution. Well, no, no, no. It, it, it happened overnight, though. It really happened amazingly quickly. It is not that um, you can't have a PE and and an NWA. The point is that you reach you reach you reach a a, um, a, tr a point in the industry, whereas you as an artist, an up and coming artist who may have came into hip hop or came into rap. Um, with a certain message, right? It may not have been the most co uh, conscious. You might have just been rapping, right? But you weren't a gangster rapper because you weren't a gangster, right? You weren't a thug or something like that, right? He was just rapping, right? Right, right. Came up right. where labels, A&Rs, weren't checking for you. And if they did check, and if they did bring you in, they expected you, to, they put pressure on you to change. And if you, and if you, didn't, if you weren't like a, say a Jay-Z, and even Jay-Z rapped about dope, right? But if you weren't a, 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 a larger artist, then you don't have the ability to tell them, no, this is my message, this is how I'm staying, right? And then that's not, that's not even getting yeah. to the contracts and how they were screwing over artists in their contracts. And that's something else that he brings up, right? Because you have to have, back then you had to have a distribution and there was control over distribution. Um, where he, Obviously where he messes up is he makes a, a, a generalized statement that that um, he should he should have been more specific when speaking to that. But when you look down the list of ownership, there's no question as far as who owns all the labels and what groups own the labels. There's no question to that, right? But he should he should have been he shouldn't have been so reckless in that. But that aside, there's a serious conversation there that has a lot of history um, as far as uh, being but, but brave, brave. Let me interrupt for a second because there's something important here. Even though we're talking about a limited number of companies, and I agree that there are Jewish people involved in those companies, but I think a lot of people look at this from the standpoint of, oh, Jews control this. Like, I worked in Hollywood, and I, I, I don't know very much about your background. I take it you're in the music industry or have been. Is that correct? I have been. I was back. Yeah. So, I mean, I was in Hollywood. I'm Jewish. I got no benefit from being there and being Jewish. Yes, there are Jewish individuals who control some of these companies, but to say Jews control this, that's like me saying because a black person or a certain number of black people committed a specific type of crime, saying black people are doing all this particular type of crime. It's just simply not true. And the thing that's so interesting to me is that I have always felt that black people and Jewish people should embrace one another and our culture and basically acknowledge that there are huge groups of people wherever we go around the world who, who hate us and why hate each other. I don't know. It's I, I feel like there is some truth to what is being said, but when it's said indelicately, we see what happens when we talk about these types of sensitive subjects. You got to be so careful and specific in what you say in order for those statements to, first of all, be true, and second of all, not be offensive. And so we got to move on because we got another call. Great call, Brave. Thanks so Thank much. Thank you, Brave. 202 521 1320. Joshua. In the Bay Area, what's on your mind? I'll be really quick. All I really want to say is, Jason, do not rack your brain with that movie. It will only piss you off. 
Um, I don't want to be long-winded, but I do have a lot of history with these types of groups, being from Oakland, California. Um, also being a part of uh, this group called Your Black Muslim Bakery, which is not Farrakhan um, affiliated. Mm-hmm. It is on uh, outfit. So when it comes to like the Bible, like Bible study, how people interpret different stuff, I know exactly how these people and everything. It, it stems back to the mid uh, mid 1800s, and it has to do with like trying to trying to reach um, uh, the place of Zion. Uh, fast forward in the 20s and 30s, it will end up reaching the Rastafarian groups and stuff. It, it's a long history. But um, I, I won't keep up. I won't take any more time. I'm glad we're exploring this because I'm interested in it. And, you know, I mean, I have heard vague rumblings of Bob Marley and people claiming that there was you know, political involvement that he was doing that people didn't want him to do and they shut him up and stuff like that. So I, this is an interesting subject that I think we need to know more about. Marley is the sect of Nyabingi. Nyabingi is a lot different than Bobo Shanti. Bobashanti are, are much more um, uh, reserved group. You would, they would be like the more ultra orthodox of this whole thing. My being you're more um, uh, more open to people. So, and are you black? Have you been in these groups, or you're saying you've just observed them? Oh, no, no, no. My, my mom's Caribbean. Uh, my dad is from is from the United States, so I know both sides of it. Um, uh-huh. I, like I said, I can talk your guys' head off about it because I know it. I've, I've had the face with these people. Um, I've always gotten into it for the organizational aspects. Hey, are we trying to build businesses? Are we trying to push that ideology stuff? I, I broke. I broke with everything because I knew. Uh-huh. Also, my mom's a Jehovah's Witness, so as a kid, I had to read the Old Testament. So uh-huh. Just things that, like, I know that I that there. It's a lot of smoke, and the reason why they're charging so much for that movie and stuff like that should be the biggest indicator. Yeah. yeah. Information you should be able to get that away for free, bar none, nothing. Put it on the level, and it should be it should be discussed and whatnot. But the fact that you have to make it so exclusive and all this other stuff, it's a no tactic that Islam first started in 1930. We're, we're losing you a little bit on the cell phone here. Can you hear us still? Uh, yeah, um, I'm, I'm currently at work at Tesla, and I'm hiding in the corner so nobody knows. Working at Tesla, awesome. Yeah. Tell Elon Musk to fire more Twitter losers. Oh, I, I'm working on it. Sometimes he comes at the at the factory, um, but usually it's just to like say hi to people and then work on something. He's a kooky guy. Back on back on the topic that you called us about, I, I'm going to ask you if you can, if it's okay, Lee, to share my email address with your audience. I'd love to get an email from you on truth. Go ahead. At crowds. You, you no. George wants Jason. Go ahead. Yeah, truth at crowdsourcethetruth.org. Please send me an email because I want to continue to talk to you about this. And I, I, my first initial view of this movie looks like someone who is at least not careful with details has released it. No, it's, it's, it's all vague. So um, before Kanye West, it was Professor Griffin, Public Enemy. Uh, right. Or right. I'm trying to think. Um, Jay Electronica is a, is a he's, he's affiliated with Jay-Z and, and uh, Mr. Farrakhan. The first song in this movie, you have to deal with that whole thing of like, we're the real Jews, blah, 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 blah. This, this goes a lot farther than you guys know. The civil rights movement was what helped it sort of first pass its obscurity. It, it hits Interesting. there. And then once you get to the 70s and 80s, that's when you start to see like those black power pushes and stuff. That's when you get, the, you get to the late 80s, that's when you start to see something hip hop. That's where it touches me. And I go back. Huh. So I, 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 man, I'll, I'll rack your brain. Anyway, 
when we get off the phone, let you guys get back to the realness. Thank, Thank you. you very much for that call. Appreciate wow. it. Good call. Look at yeah. that, Lee. People assembling Teslas listening to the show. That's great. That's that's great. Send us a car. Now, <laughs> you know, just while you're working, slip, slip it in your pocket, something like that. That would be perfect for you, an automated car that could drive you around. Sure, yeah. By the way, that's one reason I like self-driving cars. is because yeah. For people like me who have vision impairment, it's a miracle. Yeah. yeah. So get, I like it if the, when it stopped crashing. Right. <laughs> There's you. still yeah. a little too too much crashing for me. Right. But not much. The fact that they yep. can do it at all is impressive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think and it would you be know, safer if all the cars are self-driving. That's what I was going to say. You sense? know enough, absolutely, and I think you know enough and understand artificial intelligence well enough that you know, setting aside the robots taking over and destroying us, just keeping the conversation for these cars. I think you know that the fact that they're able to work, make it work as well as it does right now, means that it will, in fairly short order, be statistically safer to have a robot-driven car than a human-driven car. So it occurred to me when I was working on a Pigverse story a few years ago that there's, because remember, there is black media. Magazines like Jet. BET instance, and stuff. Yeah. Right. And most towns have a black newspaper. Huh. And black people and white people often get their news from different sources. Mm-hmm. And the sources that they get the news from aren't like MSNBC. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah. But they're but they're separate, like New Amsterdam News, they're separate papers and magazines and websites like The Root and things like that. So we yeah. very much have, and it's no law, but it's just worked out that way, that there's a separate black and white media. And it's beyond politics. Does that make sense, Jason? I think it's born out of um, actually very real and valid reasons why large groups of black people in the United States don't trust the mainstream or the government. Well, also, it is, I think, has something to do with advertising. Because the, there's a reason when you go to a store, you'll notice the separate black hair care products. Well, yes. Does that make sense? Yes. So if you're trying to reach a market for black hair care products, you don't need to spend more money to reach a wider audience that includes 8% people who are not in your market. Does that make sense? Yeah, so because no, that does. there's some products that are specifically aimed at black people, and like I say, I'm thinking hair care, for instance, but also yeah. fashion and music, makeup, and colors, yeah, all kinds of things. Right. There's all kinds of things. It makes sense to me that two media developed not for any other reason than advertiser efficiency. Does that make mm. sense, Jason? Yes, but I'm not sure that I'm convinced that that's the reason. Well, I, I think it's a factor. Yeah, and I guarantee if you look I at it, it's a factor. Someone said we can, if we, demographically target will reach the, the market. But we got Tom Nixon online. So let's take a short break. 
Let's take a double break and uh, come back and talk to Charlie Nixon and see if we can get the facts and beyond the politics on this Pelosi thing. We stand weak from a very important election. And of course, the Democrats are going nuts, tying Trump into breaking into Paul Pelosi's house with a hammer in his underwear or something like that. I don't know. (laughs) We'll talk about it after this break on The Backstory. Backstory, and we're on the radio on 105.5 FM, AM 1390. Joined now by great friend of the show and great guest and fabulous Esquire, the great <laughs> Tyler Nixon. Hey Tyler, how you doing? Gents, honored to be with you as always. So, let's. We have to talk about the Paul Pelosi story because it's a weird story, but also. It's been made a political story by Joe Biden and Kamala Harris and Hillary Clinton. Now, do you agree this is one of the more bizarre election moves? But it shows that the Democrats don't have anything. The Democrats do not have a record to run on. So they have to bring up things like apparently blaming Donald Trump for Paul Pelosi's (laughs) attack, which is nuts. What do you think, Tyler? Well, you know, when I'm trying to hunt down or or, or find, you know, the nearest uh, MAGA Donald Trump supporter, I'm always going to go to a, you know, the uh, a or Berkeley nudist uh, camp with a bunch of drug-addled zanies. You know, that's that's always where you find the MAGA, the core of the MAGA. And just look for the BLM signs when you get there. You'll be able to (laughs) find the guy right away. (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And and uh, yeah, you know it's funny because I don't uh, immediately when it when it happened, my first thought was, "What was this? This guy sure, sure sounds like an MK Ultra patsy if I ever heard of one." Um, you know, plucked out of who knows where. But then then there's the the wrinkle of, hmm, seems there was no forced entry. And uh, you know what I what I questioned initially is, didn't Pelosi just allocate something like a billion dollars to the Capitol? Police to like start becoming a national Gestapo sort right. of thing, and you know to beef up security around and 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 her husband in her house, you know this person who technically third in line of the presidency, is completely just left open for for some some uh, uh, some zane, uh, nutbag to just waltz into and start hammering her husband. I mean, I you know I'd be I'd be a little bit concerned if I were heard that she wasn't getting you know that that we weren't getting the bang for the buck. I mean, what are we paying for? With I guess they're too busy chasing down Grandma to lock her up in the D.C. Gulag for uh, you know uh, accidentally walking into the Capitol on January 6th, right? Um, that being said, but you know, and it, let me say, go ahead. But, but also, aside from Capitol Police or any of that security, there are cameras around the house, clearly, and we live in an age when there's lots of cameras. I talked about those doorbells that have cameras built in they're everywhere now and police wear body cams but we've seen no footage at all out of pelosi house 
were right. Maybe they were made by maybe they were made by Marvin Bush's company. Was it Securicom or yes, <laughs> whatever <exactly>. it was. <laughs> the same ones that uh, that didn't function around the uh, the uh, the Pentagon on nine eleven. You know, like that yeah, kind the of Jeffrey thing. Sure. No, no, no. It's all shut off. Company. You know? Right. Or, or made, oh no, you uh, you know what? Actually, I think it was the uh, the Jeffrey Epstein uh, jail, yeah. whatever they had. Right. Him. That that was the contract. Uh, yeah. No, seriously. I mean, this this just stinks to high heaven, and it, it sort of reminds me. At first, I thought, well, you know, this seems almost staged, but you know, the, I, apparently, I guess the guy was really injured. So, it, you know, it's like let it happen, or made you know what I mean, or made it happen. I don't know. But I actually, what I think it is, and I and I immediately turned on MSNBC. As soon as I heard that this had happened, which was like within, you know, as as breaking news, and just and knew immediately as as no facts, they didn't even know the guy's name at this point, and it was already right wing, uh, you know, the, the right wing terrorists, the domestic violence of the of the uh, you know the MAGA people, and it was just it was just disgusting, and and it reminded me of what I think happened with, or it harkens back to, uh, the the leak of all the DNC emails and the Hillary Clinton emails where these people immediately as you know, in the Rahm Emanuel's finest, you know, never let a crisis go to waste immediately said, Oh my God, all our emails, you know, a disgruntled employee has leaked our emails or stolen, you know, whatever, given the WikiLeaks and they're going to come out. Okay. What do we do? All right. Well, first of all, we were hacked, right? We were hacked. Okay. First we were hacked. Who, who hacked us? Let's see the Russians. Yes, yes, yes. The Russians hacked us and better yet, they did it with Donald Trump's complicity, and it was, you know, it was collusion. I mean, this is how they cooked this up. It's like, uh, you know, something happens that that is either unrelated, as this, I think, the case. This is just some whack job, who certainly is no. <laughs> I mean, I don't, you want to talk about discredited and completely disingenuous and and unbelievable uh, to for them the stretches that they have tried to make to to somehow tie this guy. To anything even within the same universe as anybody who's a Donald Trump supporter or MAGA or right wing or alt right or anything that's not you know directly that you wouldn't find on the streets of Berkeley, let's just say. Um, but yet they still do it, and they were flashing immediately. I, was, I flipped over to CNN to see what they were doing. It was Wolf Blitzer, you know, you know politically charged. You know, it was I mean, they just they're they they were falling all over themselves to exploit this. Um, in a manner that you, if you think about it, if it had been done in the reverse, of course, and you know, we all know it's like if this were Donald Trump or whatever, but you know, it's true that they, we, that anybody who attempted this, this sort of political capitalizing on anything like this would be condemned as like, oh, you people are grotesque. How dare you? This man is gravely injured and you're trying to make political hay of it. And I laughed at that one. There was a particular, um, I'm not sure who, I think it was on Face the Nation, which I, I can't even believe these shows. I don't know. Why do Republicans go on these shows anymore? But anyway, it was, uh, it was maybe the, the head of the, um, um, the RNCC, uh, the National NRCC, excuse me, the National Republican Congressional Committee, and it was one of these supercilious twats on there. Uh, and she says, "Why don't you pull the commercials? You know, that are they did a little uh, montage showing, you know, Pelosi like blaming Pelosi for you know uh, basically singling her out." And he said, "You know, you're you're risking violence, so you're you're trying to I don't know this use the term demonize, but vilify whatever have you." Nancy Pelosi, why don't you pull these ads? I'm thinking, 
Have you ever heard the name Donald Trump before, honey? Because my God, I mean, you want to talk about vilifying and demonizing and just pillorying and defaming someone endlessly for years on end. And and she's going to whine about because her husband was attacked and there's no connection. And yeah, I mean, they have they're fully off the rails at this point uh, in the in the corporate propaganda media. Let me ask you this, because along the lines of what you're saying, first of all, if anybody's ever seen any political ad for the past 50 years that I'm aware of, they're always attacking the opponent as some kind of horrible person. But I want to ask you specifically about, you know, well, but in the case of Nancy, it's all it's all true in the case of Nancy. Right. Right. So Elon Musk puts out that tweet where he's saying, forget about this, the Santa Monica, whatever it is. He's just making the observation that this is all happening in underwear at two thirty in the morning when gay bars <laughs> close at two. So that's no, no, by the way, know, Jason, Jason, show some proof that the assailant was in underwear. There's no proof of that. In fact, good point. It, good point. So, so but that's I, the allegation. I, that's the allegation. Really? And I've no, it's not, no, no, it's not an allegation. It's a fake news story. And I appreciate you well, not repeating fake but, news. Okay. He was I, not I didn't know underwear. that. That's what I've heard. Okay. But, but, so, but, but, so but not, let's but, just but, talk about empirical facts. Cause I've got right here, I've downloaded a picture of the Pelosi house as it appeared in a Politico article. And they've got a 4,000 pixel resolution. And just in this one angle of the house uh, from Normandy Avenue or Boulevard or whatever it is, I can observe four uh, security cameras looking in every direction. And surely there are other security cameras there. So irrespective of the guy being in his underwear or not, there's a guy in the house. There's a 911 call that I have heard where the 911 dispatcher says the caller says he doesn't know the person, but his name is David and he's a friend. So there's a lot of contradictory information surrounding this report. No, I, Elon- I'm going to correct that too. He did not say he is my friend. He said- A friend. And I listen to the call. It could be that the guy said he was Nancy's friend because he said- well, I'm going to wait I for heard, Nancy. I don't want to talk about could be. I heard the dispatcher say- that that was what was said and that the dispatcher adds their editorial opinion that the person sounded confused. Now, we know that just a few months ago, Paul Pelosi was in a DUI incident. And it's my personal opinion that if you're 82 and still drinking booze and driving around in your car, the you reason might have I a drinking problem. Because if you listen to it, it's ambiguous. And he the does part not of the say call that's important to me is that he they does not say, say he's Paul Pelosi's friends. He he just as easily could have been stay saying. With me, Lee. Stay with me. The, he, the important part of the 911 call is the police officer, 911 dispatcher, saying that the caller seemed confused on the phone. And this is arguably, also, this is according it, to the timeline, before he's hit in the head, because the cops witnessed that, according to what we've heard. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The initial reporting was it was, it was a welfare check. Not like Which a crime also, in why progress. Is that is happening I, unless nobody's seen the guy for three days. But let me just get to the question for Tyler. Because Elon Musk is pressured by everybody in the mainstream media, including Taylor Lorenz via Washington <laughs> Post, to the extent that he removes what they categorize as a baseless conspiracy theory. Now, it's my opinion that there is a basis for it because there's so much confusing information. But what about Hillary Clinton's baseless 
conspiracy theory that this guy is a MAGA Trump. This is what you get when you have January 6th. She didn't have to remove that. Nobody's vilifying Hillary Clinton. Why is that, Tyler? Well, because Hillary Clinton's the emperor of the universe, or empress, excuse me, the universe, and she's untouchable. Though, seriously, though, what is happening? Yeah, uh, no, it's Twitter, uh, the double standard. The is, uh, it, no, it's they're, they're they're complete and total hypocrites and disingenuous fraud artists, and it's propaganda. It's not it's not media. It's not news. It's not reporting. It's just. I mean, I, I even on CNN, I was listening to this the ominous music playing you know, in the background, kind of like the backstory intro, but you know, we actually, we don't sit there and sit here and uh, spew propaganda, but it's just, it's all theater and, and conveniently timed uh, instantly, like instantly seized upon. And here's, here's something that also struck me um, on the ground from C for CNN. And I noticed this was none other than Josh Campbell. Now, if that name doesn't ring a bell, Roger Stone's, uh, and, and he said he said CNN's been an hour ahead of everyone else on this story. Oh. I'm thinking, oh, really? You're an hour ahead of everyone else? Kind of like you were in front of Roger Stone's house, huh? And uh, huh. either Josh Campbell is either the producer who was there on the ground when he was Roger was raided, or I think he might be Comey's under under uh, one of Comey's flunkies who quit and then immediately joined CNN. If I'm not mistaken, I think he, uh, Campbell's the actual reporter who was proud of his sleuthing that he knew to flew fly down. And be like literally landing at the airport like an hour, two hours before uh, setting up a camera with the, F, the FBI's full Holy uh, cow. permission and You're approval. Right. And, he previously yeah. served as a supervisory special agent with the Federal Bureau of Investigation conducting national security and criminal investigations. His assignment included deploying in response to international terrorist attacks and kidnapping overseas mm -hmm. tours embedded with the CIA. And he just happened to be US. in San Francisco that – he just happened to be wow. in San Francisco. Whoa! You know, good little find. That's amazing. Either that, or they've got they've got a you know time portal or something that CNN. You know, boy, they're I tell you, they really have some good sources over there, huh? You know, good it's sleuthing amazing. on their part. I mean, they, like they must have psychics and uh, running, you know, psychic friends network. No, in the back. Yeah, no, this is. Like, I mean, that, like, that's suspicious right there. And he admits it. He yeah. says we were an hour ahead of everyone else. How? How? Wow. What, what, what? You know, what's we your what's your secret? From uh, MSNBC, this is them talking about the Elon Musk tweet. You were just talking about Jason. So let's yeah. play the clip. Hit it. Pizzagate cabal style stuff. The idea that the world is secretly run by this new world order uh, and it is trying to censor you. It's trying to prevent the world from seeing what's really going on. And that Nancy Pelosi and people like that, those people uh, in the QAnon spaces right now, those people are at the top of that sphere. They are at the top of that pecking order when it comes to how people believe in conspiracy theories. And I, I do want to stress this. Um, right now, on, trending on Twitter mm -hmm. is the lie about this guy. It's the lie that it's trending. It's trending on Twitter as we speak, uh, because Elon Musk pushed it uh, on Saturday or yesterday. Sorry, uh, I just want to make it clear how they got to this place. So, uh, I, first of all, lies on the internet move faster than the truth, and that's in part why there are all these safeguards that Elon Musk is trying to take down on Twitter right now. Oh. Um, the lies that were pushed were from bad pieces of information they found. For example, they said that uh, Paul Pelosi was uh, in his underwear. Of course he was, 2.30 in the morning at the time he was attacked. They, that led them to believe this was a lover's quarrel between two different people that knew each other. The reason they believed they knew each other is because the police put out a statement saying that they didn't really know who opened the door. So they, that led them to believe there was a third person in the house. Mm -hmm. 
so from there, there was this world building on the pro-Trump internet. What could be the opposite of reality here? And the opposite of reality they came up with was these two people were having a lover's quarrel in a house, and the police sort of intruded on us. It's fundamentally incorrect. It was pushed by the richest man in the world. And then yesterday, it was pushed by Donald Trump Jr., who posted a picture of underwear and a hammer and said it's a Halloween costume for Paul Pelosi. <laughs> if we don't cut this out right now, the, not just the normalization of violence, but the idea that reality can't even exist anymore because it cannot catch up to the lies on the Internet. I'm not a scholar on authoritarian history, but I've, let, I've read Hannah Arendt. I've read all of these people. Mm -hmm. This is how it gets really bad. This is the start of something that gets really, really bad. If you are getting the guardrails off the truth, where it literally cannot catch up to the lies on the Internet because of how the pipes work, how the system works, because of the incentives of the richest people in the world, then that's how you lose your democracy. Uh, well, you, you I have to say, up, I watched... Uh, let me respond to that guy. You moron. You yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I was going to say, you pointy-headed little I, Nimrod gonna... soy boy. I mean, I saw him, I saw the actual video, I saw the video clip and he looked like he was going to break down in tears. I mean, he was, you know, literally now, almost trembling. Let me also correct him on the facts. The reason people thought there was a third party there is that Politico, a mainstream, well-respected source, said <laughs> there's a third party person who let the police in. It was in Politico. That's that how people got that. The part about the assailant being his underwear that you've heard me push back on. But that was reported by several mainstream media outlets, mainstream local news outlets. I saw it with my own eye. That was reported. So a lot of this stuff started with mainstream media reporting. But he doesn't say that. He implies, and also he started the whole thing off by saying these people who falsely believe that, that there's a new world order. Guess what? The phrase New World Order, did you make it up, Tyler? Jason, well, I mean, did you I, make up the yeah. phrase New World Order? Uh, no, did I heard Alex George Jones? Bush say it in 1992. And, and then That's Joe Biden repeated it this year. And, it was September and 11th, Kissinger 1990. Used it. Who Kissinger and George Bush have used it. And Putin has right. addressed it. Oh, yeah, it's been out there. Right. Well, anyway, the point being, though, is that this guy, uh, you know, it, Listen, listen to how they they so seamlessly editorialize within with anything they're saying. It's always the and you read it about the the phony uh, election uh, election fraud claims or the you know, the, the complete lies that were told. I mean, they just immediately uh, build right into what they're supposedly either reporting on or even necessarily talking about. It's immediately assumed whatever it is that, you know, if it's lies, it's false, it's bogus, it's phony when it's you know anything that's coming out of anybody that's on the other side of the equation from them and that being said this guy i mean you know he runs through this i mean the hysteria i mean the 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 gnashing of the teeth and we 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 have to stop this it's like i mean they're they're coming unglued i mean and i love it i mean elon musk will be will probably be beatified at some point in the future for just for this act just as i you know feel donald trump should be for having beaten both the bushes and the clintons um but you know the the thing about it is is the hysteria and the sort of um they can't even get their uh their their sort of um uh defamatory narrative straight you know and and they're all coming on just shows you how much progress we've made i think and and though it may seem and, and like also, these, this is a dark dark moment uh you know in our history 
um, at, a, at a low, uh, hopefully it's not going to get much lower. I mean, but I'm not holding my breath that, you know, look at all the media that's risen and, and, and to take out Twitter. It's just, I mean, it's beautiful. It's like, you know, go get your own platform now. And we've already built, you know, the right, the right have built what at least four, four or five viable, I mean, getter, what do you have? Getter, Truth Social, Gab, and what's the other one? Parlor. They're all alone. They're all we have four platforms well. already. Kanye it's Kanye. almost too much. It is too much. Right. It's fracturing it, and they're they're subpar from a software and user interface standpoint. I mean, it's unfortunate. It would be good to have one platform. The crazy thing is, you know, I've been going over to Twitter the past two days because I don't know. I just got this inkling yesterday. They said that Elon Musk is going to fire all these people before November first. So I went over there, and there was a Tesla and like a Cadillac Escalade or something with two burly dudes with guns. And I was like, wait a minute, is Elon Musk in there? And um, there was a lot of stuff that went on while I was there. And sure enough, this morning, the news confirms that Elon Musk was at Heidi Klum's Halloween party in the East Village last night. And he, Elon Musk himself, has updated his Twitter location to Twitter New York. So... Mm -hmm. The people that I was speaking to on the streets of New York as they were walking by saying, what's going on? I said, you know, Elon Musk, Twitter, what do you think that he's taking it over? An alarming number of people wanted the suppression of the First Amendment, didn't think it was safe for people to say things that they disagreed with. And when you ask them questions like, well, don't you want the First Amendment and freedom of speech, and don't you see how you have to ha allow everyone to have? They don't have clearly formed ideas, and they are just thinking that Elon Musk is going to allow everyone to turn the thing into a platform where you can spew tortious or illegal statements, and they don't seem to understand what the First Amendment even is. Yeah. No, uh, well, and, it's also interesting knows, how Robespierre they are. We you know? disagreed before about the facts. Was the guy in his underwear or not? At no point did I say, okay, convince Central. <laughs> Shut Jason's mic off. And right. at no point did Jason say, can someone shut Lee's mic off? We yeah. debate it. We can yeah, debate I, it. And, and you're right. I don't know. It. I don't know if that's a fact. I just heard that from all the news. And because we have, like, if this happened in my house and I had video cameras all over the place, I'd say, all right, Donald Trump Jr. and Elon Musk, here's a video of the guy breaking in. Here's a video of me getting brained with a hammer. You know, why are they, there's just zero transparency with any of these things. Where are all the videos from January 6th? Why was John Earl Sullivan allowed to earn $90,000 selling a video to CNN that he obtained illegally? It's these unanswered no, questions well, well speaker trump will get so to the bottom give, of it i gotta yeah. give you a clip because we got yeah. one final clip here this is obama being interrupted as aoc was and other democrats by anti-war protesters so let's play this clip obama interrupted by peace protesters hit it President, 
There's more people. There's more people that are. There's more people that are going to get hurt if we go into nuclear war. Right now, we're on the verge of nuclear war. Thanks to, thanks to what you did in Ukraine in 2014. Why don't you tell the truth about what you did to Ukraine? Now, Tyler, this you know, is the, the, the best view. thing about that. Yeah, does the same view the Democrats don't want to hear the truth, just in general. Well, the best, Tyler Nixon. Yeah, the best thing. Well, the best thing about that clip, Obama clip, was that it was mostly not Obama. <laughs> you didn't have to hear him. His insufferable, <laughs> sufferable twaddle that he is. Uh, you know, rah rah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, 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 I loved when those protesters shouted down AOC or didn't shout her down, but they stood up and said, you know, you're risking everyone's lives. And, uh, you know, and it's good to see after years of absence, since I remember going back to being sort of, you know, shoulder to shoulder with many of them, the the, the earnest ones was the, it's the anti-war left. And I guess, you know, it takes being uh, threatening Armageddon when it's not other people being bombed across the world. You know, it might be us that, that suddenly they, they get wise and, and uh, decide to push back against these neocon and neolib uh, warmongering lunatics. And did you hear how angry some of the crowd were? The people in the Democrat crowd, some of them sounded like they were going to punch the guy. Did you hear that? Oh, yeah. Oh, no, no. It's a cult. You can't go against so, the orthodoxy, against the, the, the line, whatever it is. So I played a few days ago Kennedy's peace, peace speech. They gave it American University four months before they killed him. And it was the most appropriate thing, I think, to play at this time. Everyone look for that JFK peace speech. Tyler Nixon, great appearance as always. Jason Goodman, great co-hosting as always. And it was great to talk to Yakov Shapiro on today's episode. Tune tomorrow, more open debate on Free Speech Radio, The Backstory. 